Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. And of course, we'd like to welcome you to another exciting episode that we are covering the Ayum Shinrikyo with the, their leader, Asahara Matsumoto. So, okay, this is from Japan. This is from Japan. Of course, the uh, reason why we're bringing the names up, you're like, why are you bringing up the names again? Is because we're just going to call the Ayum Shinrikyo. I, this the Ayum, and of course, not not going to say Mr. Asahara Mitsumoto the entire time. It's going to be Asahara. Same playing field, same level? Yes. yes. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, the first episode went, I think, quite well. Very interesting. We went international this time. We hope you're enjoying it so far. And how we like to know how you're enjoying is a few things. We have our Facebook fan page at Colt Coffee and Conversation. We have our Instagram at Colt Coffee Convo. And, of course, we have our Twitter at Colt Coffee Con 1. And, of course, our email address at coltcoffeeconvo at gmail.com and we also do have one more special yes, way of doing it. Yes, we have our availability. You take your smartphone, you get your voice recorder out, you record a message and you send it off to coltcoffeeconvo at gmail.com. Beautiful. So are you excited so far, Holly? Has this been a very interesting uh, human being? Yes, it's extremely interesting and extremely dark. Very dark. We haven't even gotten to that part yet. No, we haven't, because today we're going to talk about the recruitment Yes, and of this, how we got these people. Yes, and it's still not even the dark part yet. Not even the dark part yet, no. So are you ready to get into it? Are you ready to get elbows deep? Oh, wait. We can't get elbow deep in yet, because we still have to do our disclaimer. Okay. Yes, this is for entertainment purposes only. We're regular people. Some people have a regular job. Some people are about to retire. But either or, it is... We're just here to look at the facts, comment on them, maybe make fun of some of these people. But that's okay, because you know what? Deep down inside, you really want to do the same thing, too. So, once again, entertainment purposes only. If you get pissed off, fine. Anyway, is that it? We're done? Oh, yes. Actually, we, no. We no, have we one have more, more thing to do. We have one more thing to do. What is that? Oh, yes. Before we get into our cult, and before we get into our conversation... We must talk about our coffee. Holly, what are you drinking? Well, you know, since it is a Saturday and uh, we decided to uh, relax today. Be homebodies. Yes, homebodies. It was all about the French roast in the Keurig with the um, the creamer I have in the refrigerator. That's correct. Well, I don't know what creamer you had, but I had the same type of coffee, but I had the Italian sweet cream. That's exactly what I had. Beautiful. We are being normal, regular people today. We are just normal civilians who are not going to the drip, which I was there last night for about three hours and having a Spanish latte, and I had another one. Oh, I had their Raven's Brew. Woo! There ain't enough sugar, and there ain't enough cream to cover that bite, that that aftertaste. Wow. Rod. And you're pretty... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm right? Yeah. I'm pretty, like, I'm good. I can drink coffee black for them. I can do a black. See, then real quick, let's kind of do a little sidebar. When it comes to coffee, I, I like to taste it just black first. And if it's good black, don't need nothing in it. I don't put any sugar in my coffee or any sweetener or stevia or sugar in the raw or all the other equals or any other stuff, period. I just, if, it's not, if I don't like it black, give me the cream and I can deal with it. This stuff here, I don't want to call it battery acid <laughs> or just a cup of dark death. 
but it was brutal to drink. So, of course, what I did was after I had a Spanish latte, I was like, I needed more because I was really yeah, dragging. Yeah, well, the Spanish latte is a very nice, mellow. It's a beautiful drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. So I was like, all right, well, let's not lie. I was meeting Rodrigo there, and Rodrigo, I ordered him a coffee. Come to find out when I meet up with Rodrigo, he already ordered himself some coffee. So I'm like, great. I have two orders of Raven's Brew. He paid for one. I paid for the other. That's fine. I got my stars. No big deal. But the thing is, is that I was like, well, I'm stuck with it. I might as well drink it. I've never tasted it before, so let's roll with the punches, right? So, of course, I'm drinking my Spanish latte first because it deserves to be first. And, of course, you know, after another hour of conversation, there's the coffee. Believe it or not, still hot. So, yeah, it was very weird. So, still warm. Well, there's some steam coming off of it. So I taste it, and sure enough, man, I just made the face of funny because it tasted super bitter. And, of course, Rod, he drinks his black with about 11 equals. Is it equal? Stevia. He just puts stevia in it. Whatever, the yellow stuff. So puts it in, and he's like, well, that's why I put the stevia in mine, and I don't put cream in mine. I'm like, you're weird, but okay, fine, whatever. So I put the stevia in there. No. So I went to go get the cream, put it in, and I tasted it again. It was Brutal. Yeah, and by that time, you pretty much ruined it. I ruined it. So yeah. I was just like, well, I'll drink. I drank half of it in, in protest. But at least I could say I tried it, Mom. Okay. Well, All you right. know what? I guess you have um, won a badge. Yes. That. A story to tell, an A for effort, and a badge for trying. All righty. Now we're ready to get into the recruitment of this wonderful, fun little family. Yes. Excellent. Okay, so... Here we are now. We've already got to the point where he's calling himself Christ, correct? Well, uh, yes, but there was a meditation that God told him he was the Christ. Yeah, so okay, so he's Mr. Asahara is calling him the Christ. Now he started recruiting followers. Now he's being very specific on who he was recruiting. It wasn't pretty much an open-ended thing first. It was actually very selective, and it was only for the elite. Okay. Yes. So we're talking doctors, lawyers scientists who are wanting more meaning in their lives. Now, the reason why we bring that up is because this is the first time where Japan, remember this is based in the land of the rising sun, They were their economy was booming. And this is when everybody was making money at this time. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so you know, when you're a scientist, you're making a lot of money and you do your work. Well, what is there outside of work? Well, also, let's remember, too, that the Japanese culture is very industrious. Yes. And so they don't just work their 40-hour week. No. Or their 50-hour week. No. It's like an 80 or 90 or 100-hour week. Yes. So when you're in these type of uh, these type of professions, they're going to be working day and night. Right. Okay, so they do want to have more meaning in life except just the work. Right. Uh, so yeah, so what they did was is the they claimed a membership. Well, we'll just talk about just their membership as well. Is that they claimed a membership as, as high as sixty five thousand people. That's a lot. Okay, now the large majority of whom were thirty to fifty thousand. Now this is funny that thirty to fifty thousand of the sixty five thousand were located in Russia. Yeah, that's kind of a mind blower. Yeah, it is, but. I'm pretty sure. Well, you're talking what? This is what years now? I think it's like late the 80s. late 80s ish. It just opened up. Russia opened up uh, to to all kinds of different beliefs because the Gorbachev tear down this wall. Yeah, and they in 1989 they did so. Yes, they did. So of course, at this time, communism has collapsed. So there's part. There's no economics going on in Russia at this time. It was all run by gangsters. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was very very black market. 
kind of like Italy now, where I think sixty percent of their mark their their economy is now black market. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, that that yes, unfortunately, it's tourism, the wine, the food, mm-hmm. and taxi cabs. I guess I don't know. Okay, anyway, well, but yes, yeah, so that supports this nor here nor there. So anyway, so the Ayum included among of his followers as highly trained graduates, of course, in the sciences and technological fields. From Japan's leading universities. Now, they, of course, included members with degrees in the fields such as medicine, biochemistry, architecture, biology, and genetic engineering. Now, a distinctive feature of this cult was that many were young intellectuals in their 20s and in their 30s who had dropped out of Japanese society to join this doomsday cult. Now, among of Japan's best and brightest who joined the cult include a former researcher of the National Space Development Agency of Japan, uh, an expert on chemical weapons who majored in organic physics at Tsukuba University. So as the researchers who uh, also studied uh, uh, elementary particles, a reporter with a major Japanese newspaper, physicist from uh, Osaka University, and a cardiac specialist and an organic chemist, just to name a few. Now, Holly, what kind of, let's talk about some of these people, you know, we'll just say this person, that person, but let's get specific on some of these people. Who are these people? Some of the key members of Mm -hmm. the Aum hierarchy were Hideo Murai. He was 36. He was a minister of science and technology. He, after graduating from the physics department of Osako University, entered the graduate school specializing in physics and started working for Kobe Steel Research and Development Department. Now we have Kaiohide Hayakawa. He was 45. He was a minister of construction. He held a master's degree in architecture from Osaka University. There's Fumihiro Joyu, 32 years old, was the public relations minister. He was a graduate of Waseda University with a master's degree in artificial intelligence. He was an engineer at the National Space Development Agency before joining the cult. Yushinobu Aoyama was 35. He was a justice minister. He was the son of a wealthy family in Osaka, graduate of Kyoto University Law School, and the youngest person to pass the national bar exam. Wow. And there was Masami Tsuchiya, 30 years old, was a chief scientist. He held a master's degree in organic chemistry from Suba University, reportedly joined the cult because it had better research facilities than its than his university. Wow. Not all the Aum members had such backgrounds. A number of the members were poorly educated and from working backgrounds. Many were young and rebellious. These working class members had been specifically recruited for work details to help in the construction of the various IOM factories and also for IOM's military forces. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, of course. They need labor, baby. They needed labor. Now, I find it interesting that... They said the factories and also the military forces. Hmm, interesting. It's interesting that somebody is gathering a military within a, within a country. Right? Isn't that weird? That's strange. But hey, 
there's a purpose for everything because they're a doomsday cult, right? Yes. God needs an army, right? Okay, so... Yeah, that would be Asahara. Yes, uh, yes, that is correct. Now, uh, they were very aggressive in their recruitment activities and even had uh, an entire division called the the New Followers Agency, or the NFA, to perform this task. Now, beyond the, the remedial techniques such as leafleting, which means passing out flyers, and street corner proselytizing, the Ayum used a diverse blend of recruiting methods. Now, some of these are interesting. They use their classes on yoga, uh, herbal healing and meditation on campus on campuses to recruit. They also recruited through their numerous computer stores, bookstores, and noodle shops. Wow, you know it's kind of interesting. These are normal shops, right? Right, normal activities, yes. especially in Japan, but now even here in the right. United States. Yeah, it's kind of like you have to know what you're. You know who you're dealing with now. Even going to get some noodles, oodles and noodles. <laughs> okay. Yes. Additionally, they uh, also broadcasted their message to Japan through their Russian radio station, and it used to be, uh, or uh, and also, I'm sorry, and they also used it and other radio television shows in Moscow to recruit in Russia. So of course, like I said, it's black market. So you got the money, yes. you can pay them off. Obviously, they did have a lot of money. At Yes, a lot of money. Billions, people. Billions with a B. Yes. And not the show on Showtime. All right, so the IUM was successful. Not Wait, is it a Showtime? Doesn't matter. It's on cable. The IUM was successful uh, not only for all of the above reasons, but also because of their use of, now here's, here's where it gets culty-ish, psychedelic and mind-altering drugs in the recruitment process. Now, the IUM used these substances along with other brainwashing techniques, including sleep deprivation and isolation therapy. Now, now many ex-IU members have been uh, quoted publicly admitting uh, to the use of these tactics. They uh, recruited also from the military, the police, and certain key uh, technological industries and facilities to further their militarization and intelligence functions. Now, the IUM had a strategy to recruit officers from the Japanese Self-Defense Force, the JDF, to use them as combat troops. And I'm putting quotations around that. My fingers are up doing the little, the little air motion. Quotes. The air quotes. Yes, thank you. Uh, for the cult, as well as to assist them in training other IU members and in providing intelligence for government activities. Now, former cult members interviewed uh, confirmed that the recruitment drive and said that there were approximately 100 Defense Force members recruited, including 60 former members. Now, one or more of non-commissioned officers from the 1st Airborne Brigade also worked closely with uh, Yashihiro Inou, the 25-year-old intelligence minister of the IUM. Now, these persons individually or in cooperation with other IU members. Now, we're talking about this. Why are they? We kind of have an idea of why they're recruiting, but they're targeting. Like I said, there's a method behind the madness. Now, Holly, kind of go in depth a little bit. Of what did you find out in regards to some of this stuff? The persons that were uh, recruited. They assisted in the November 27, 1994 burglary of a Metropolitan Police Department mm. office to steal driver's license data. Ah. They assisted in the break-in of the Hiroshima factory of Mitsubishi Heavy Industry Industries on December 28, 1994. 
in an attempt to steal technical documents on weapons such as tanks and artillery. Mm. They assisted in a firebombing attack on the Ayum headquarters in Tokyo on March 18, 1995, in an attempt to inspire public sympathy for the Ayum. Mm. And they provided military training to other Ayum members. Now, documents indicate that the JDF members also passed secret information to the Ayum concerning the Metropolitan Police's plan to raid on the Ayum facilities. Inside man. Mm. Mm. These officers alerted the Ayum of the anticipated raid. Mm-hmm. Now, the Ayum recruited a number of police officers along with other low-ranking government bureaucrats. In addition, the cult actively recruited individuals in the Japanese business sector. The Ayum apparently targeted those industries that had technology or know-how that it needed for weapons production. So we're all having a theme here. It's all about the weapons. Yes. They're, they're, he's building literally an unarmed army. Mm-hmm. And there is some evidence that they successfully penetrated a number of Japanese defense contractors, mm. including the Mitsubishi Heavy Industries and the Nippon Electronics Company. In November 1994, followers of the cult were arrested on suspicion of breaking into the offices of the Nippon Electronics Company, or the NEC. The purpose of the intrusion was to obtain information on laser technology from NEC's laser beams factory. When the police arrested Mansoobu Aiwao, who was allegedly to have worked with the OMS Intelligent Ministry, they discovered sketches and maps of the interior layouts of facilities at six major electronic firms. Alrighty, so he's definitely have a plan for an attack. Obviously, um, he's building an army. He and here's the thing: if you're God, okay, if you assume that you're God and you want to do all this, it this this sounds like just basically just a dream of a madman. You know, I mean. When we're talking about you know religious beliefs, I mean this, we've we've covered a lot of cults, but this one's taken it to a level of like, I mean, these guys pretty much, I mean, they're making the rest of the cults look like pretenders. Yeah, uh, this is very high level, powerful, sophisticated, um, sophisticated. You know, things. Luckily, we haven't seen here that we know about yet in the United States now. Japan is a different culture, and they did have this, uh, it wasn't secrecy, but they had a reluctance to get involved with the churches, quote-unquote, or the religious type of organizations right. in those days. Yes. And, of course, this is r- the result of why they were able to do all these fantastical things. Right. And the thing, too, is, I mean, it's, you want to talk about, an uh, to say it's organized is an understatement. These guys, they... You want to talk about ex- uh, having a plan and executing it thus far, as far as just establishing the hierarchy in this group. I mean, there's a ton of people in this group. It's literally a city of people. It's not just it's a like neighborhood. It's like a country within its own country. It's a country within a country, uh, an army, an armed army in a place that already has an army. It's It's really a depiction of a revolution mm. oh yeah that's a very good analogy yes it's 
it's just kind of crazy to where this guy's God and he has all this power, even though he's got wonderful photos of showing him floating through the air, which we covered on the last episode. It, 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 at a certain point, I mean, this is pure raw devotion. There, there's no one in here second guessing any of this stuff that we know of so far. So far. So far, yeah. I mean, it's. And and not only the organization of it, and not only how they set the hierarchy, but how they're to have classes in this cult. It's not just like the inner circle. No, this is okay. We have the blue collars. We have the white collars. We have the military. We ha- it's it's very 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 interesting on in how they were able to pull this off. Yeah, because they even you know we were talking about or thinking about when you have a noodle shop or yoga studio, you've got to have people running it. Yes, you have to have somebody clean it. Yep, you know that kind of thing. Yes, somebody has to be the manager. So they're all different the net- levels. Yeah, the network yeah. is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it is to be. I mean. It was easy to be kind of sitting there going, wow, that's, that's some organization on a level that maybe few churches have in our country. Oh, we don't want that, though, do we? No, we don't. But <laughs> No, we don't. Not like that. But it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, just the organization skills, a noodle shop. Like, you could literally be surrounded, like, say, if you are a follower of the Ayum Shinrikyo, that you are going in and you can literally live a city within a city and a network to where you're never out of the loop. Well, I think they did have neighborhoods in Tokyo. Oh, I'm, I don't think I, did we talk about that yet? I'm we haven't not got sure. that far. Okay, we haven't got but that far. Yes, you're right. It's like you you can be in your own little community and never really have to leave. Yeah. So this is getting interesting. Oh yes, I I think we're gonna um, have a lot of exciting episodes on the way. Yes, we do. So. We just, well, like I said, we're taking our time with this cult because it deserves the, it deserves the details. I mean, you know, we've we've gone in some 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 rabbit holes, but this is probably one of the most fascinating ones. Yes, because it's like, oh, wow. I mean, that's all you can say. It's it's to be to be given the detail that we're giving. So we're kind of taking step by step, inch by inch, instead of just doing a broad stroke or, you know, we're, we're covering something that, quite frankly, I don't think any of our cultonites, <laughs> cultonites have even either thought about. Thought about. Yeah, because, it's you know, we're covering some, you know, we've covered some in the past. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're familiar with or you have an idea of this one. I, you know. The only we- reason we knew this existed is because, A, at the time when they did what they did, we were in the know at that time as far as we were paying attention to what's the in the news. Yeah, and, so we won't um, give that away yet. We give that away yet. But, you know, this is one of the things like, oh, my gosh, I remember this. And and people even our age or older don't. No. They vaguely remember. Yes, I do, because I have done my little poll. My mm. little poll will I go around, have you ever heard of this, this? And these are people that... You know, we're well aware in the in the nineties right. of being adults, and they can barely remember it. Barely remember it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So uh, anyway. So yeah, guys. Hope you're enjoying it so far. But like I said, we're getting into deep del- deep dive, and uh, we're going into the abyss of the Ayum Shinriku. So on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl. <laughs>